With that, I'm going to ask Superion and Takesha and family to come on up, and they are going to light our third candle today, and we're excited about that. I think the lighter is over here, too. It is. You're You're good to go. Lord, we just want to begin by acknowledging you as the source of all, the source of all, the source of all that exists, the source of life, the source of all good things, that the entire cosmos is held in your hands, so to speak. And we would not even be here if it weren't for your goodness. And when we pause, we do see the evidence of your goodness all over our lives. Yes, life is tough. Yes, bad things happen. But at the end of the day, we can see the evidence of your goodness. And so we trust in that this morning. We come this morning leaning upon that. And it's because we know you're good that we also know we can confess our (laughs) sins to you and that you are ready and willing to forgive. And so we confess this morning, Lord, that this week we have done some things, we've left some things undone. Uh, We have not loved our neighbors as you have called us to. We have not trusted in you the way that you have called us to. We have not taken care of ourselves the way that you have called us to. And so we don't want anything to, to hinder our worship this morning We don't want anything to hinder uh, receiving what you have for us as we worship you, as you speak to us and we hear your voice. So we lay that all before you and we ask you in your goodness, in your mercy to forgive us, cleanse us, renew our strength, renew our purpose, give us a fresh start this morning. Lord, we are so thankful to 
be able to come into this place freely, easily. We have a nice building in which we can gather with lights and AC. Even whenever we look outside and we see drizzly and overcast, we can be in a comfortable place. And we know that that's not true for everybody in the world. And so we're incredibly thankful this morning. I thank you for each and every person in this place. Everyone who has gotten up this morning and gathered under this roof to see if they might hear a word from you today. I'm thankful for each and every one of them. And I ask you to touch each life here to bless them and to keep them, to make your presence known in a very tangible way that each person in this place would sense your presence in their lives, guiding them, loving them, uh, guiding them toward the good things that you have, correcting those uh, in places where we go wrong. Lord, I know that each person that comes into this place also comes in with uh, concerns and burdens, and that, that too at times can keep us from receiving what you have in this hour. And so we want to lay that before you. I'm going to ask these folks to call out names and situations to hear our prayer and trusting that you are working for the good toward all in every case and situation. John Hap. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Jet Gustafson. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Keith Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Helen. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. The Pilgrim family. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Alexis and Jessica. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. 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 The band. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Steve Copeland. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Mary Wiggins. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, we lay these names before you. I'm sure that there are unspoken requests in this room, too. Sometimes we don't even know how to pray for ourselves. And so it's in those cases that we rely on you, Holy Spirit, to intercede on our behalf. We ask that you do that now for all the unspoken requests and in all of them. Lord, we trust in your goodness. We trust in your wisdom. Help us now to release that into your care so that we might be totally present and available for you this morning. May you receive all praise and glory. And it is in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. But I'm going to ask our kids to come up. Kids and kids at heart, hello everyone, good morning, good morning. What's up, what's up? Come on up. 
All right, um, somebody tell me, what is joy? What's joy? Happiness, okay. Anything else? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas is joy. Yep, yep, yep. So we lit our uh, third candle today. The pink candle stands for joy. And so this Sunday we recognize um, joy, happiness. And so what I'm wondering is when you think about joy, what sparks joy for you? What makes you happy? Video games. Oh, video games are pure joy. Beating my dad in Monopoly. Oh, beating your dad in Monopoly brings you joy. I like that. Um, roller coasters. Roller coasters are joy. They are. Yeah. What? What? Disney World is joy. Disney World is joy. Like it is. Yeah. It's true. What else? What else? Epcot. Epcot? Yeah. yeah. I've never been to Epcot before. Is it pretty joyous? There's this um, new roller coaster called Jazz Wheelie by Rain Soul. It's really it, joyful. It sounds very joyful. Okay, now, now we're talking about, you know, we're, in, we're approaching Christmas time. Why do you think we're talking about joy at Christmas time? We just sang a song called Joy to the World. Why are we singing it? Christmas is joy. Christmas is joy. What say that again? I said Christmas brings joy. Christmas brings joy. What do you have some thoughts? Why are we talking about joy at Christmas time? Because Christmas time is when you get together and hug and present. Yeah. There's something joyful about getting together with people that you love, isn't there? It's very nice. Yeah. Well, I think that probably you're, all of you are saying the right things, for sure. I wonder if um, that first Christmas when Jesus was born, if the shepherds felt joy. You remember when they came to see the baby Jesus? I think we have some shepherds in this nativity scene here. Do you think Mary felt joy when she gave birth to Jesus and Joseph? I think so. The wise men, probably, when they met Jesus, there's something about Jesus that brings us joy in ways that all those really good things that you said, roller coasters are joyous, for sure. And Disney World, definitely joyous. But there's something about Jesus that gives us a different kind of joy. And I don't know how to explain it, but it's a joy that lasts. It doesn't end. You know, like when you get off a roller coaster... The joy ends, right? But there's something about Jesus that lasts forever. And so today, while we're singing our songs and while we're, you know, reading scriptures and praying and stuff, we just want to give thanks to God for the gift of Jesus, which brings joy into the world. Joy to the world, all right? So let's pray. God, we are so thankful for the joy with a capital J that comes in the tiny package of baby Jesus and comes into this world and is something that we can't quite explain, but it's marvelous, something that brings peace and joy and freedom and eternal comfort and happiness. Maybe there's something about uh, getting together with the people that we love, knowing that 
um, that Jesus says that doesn't have to end, that we can be with the people that we love forever. And so we look forward to that day. We, it's hard. We wrestle with that. We don't know what that means, but we look forward to that. And we are just thankful in the meantime for the gift of Jesus. And so we ask that you would please continue to speak to us and teach us more about Jesus, that you would bless our families, our friends, bless our pets because they give us a lot of joy most of the time. And please bless this awesome church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, you guys can go back to your seats or you can go to children's class in the back. In the back. Our scripture reading today, you know, we've, we've been hanging out with the prophets. Emily put this down, I can tell. Uh, we've been hanging out with the prophets uh, because the prophets really were the ones who had things to say um, about the future of God's people. And so we are reading Isaiah today, chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. Listen now for a word from the Lord. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry out. And I said, What shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the, grass, the, fl the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, may your word be proclaimed through me or perhaps in spite of me today. Amen and amen. So we're hanging out with Isaiah today. What do you all know about Isaiah? Isaiah was fascinating. Probably out of all the prophetic writings, you know, Jeremiah is good. I love Jeremiah. Ezekiel is trippy. I like Ezekiel. But Isaiah, man, he has captivated the minds and the hearts of people for thousands of years. Countless books, songs, plays, 
countless things have been created uh, based on what people have felt when they listened to Isaiah. You probably know that Handel's Messiah is uh, written from portions of Isaiah. Not only did Isaiah, like all the prophets, give fresh hope to the people of God when they needed it most, but I think that he also gave voice to Jesus when Jesus was uh, shaping his ministry uh, and his mission in the world. We know that he was reading Isaiah. In fact, Isaiah's servant songs, if you were to Google the servant songs of Isaiah and pull them up, you would quickly see that they helped shape the earliest Christians in understanding and who Jesus was. Listen to this. This is from uh, Isaiah 53, one of the servant songs. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. As a Christian, you cannot hear that and not hear Jesus. We see Jesus when we read the sermon songs in Isaiah. It's amazing. Scholars suspect, I think they're probably right, Isaiah was actually written in three different periods of time, probably by three different people, uh, probably Isaiah himself and then maybe some students of Isaiah and then some other students of Isaiah. They kind of break it up into three sections, chapters 1 through 39. These are written well before the Babylonian invasion and the exile. We've been talking about that, the, how the Babylon uh, uh, army came and invaded Jerusalem. Uh, so 1 through 39 is written way before that. But second Isaiah, the second part of it is chapters 40 through 55. These are toward the end of the exile. The exile is getting ready to end. And then third Isaiah, 56 through 66, written while Jerusalem was being rebuilt after the exile. Second Isaiah we read from today, chapter 40, begins this way. Comfort, comfort, oh my people, says your God. That's how it begins. God, Isaiah says, is about to do something miraculous. He is going to lead his children home from Babylon, but this time it won't be like when he delivered them from Egypt. You remember they wandered in the desert for 40 years. Isaiah says it's not going to be like that this time. This time it's going to be a straight shot from Babylon right back home to Jerusalem, like an arrow, swift and sure and clean. I was thinking about back home. I grew up in St. Louis, Elena and I, outside of St. Louis. And uh, you may know old Route 66. Is it route or route? <coughs> route, route. Route 66. It, it's, it's very famous, uh, but especially in St. Louis, because that's kind of the place where it bent and then started heading over to the coast. And so in St. Louis today, there are, there are sections, the Chain of Rocks Bridge, uh, which I think now is a pedestrian walkway, uh, is part of that old route. They, they, they've preserved parts of it, and you can, you can go on parts of it. You know, uh, Chuck Berry, who was a native St. Louisan, we would see him around. He would perform at Blueberry Hill quite often, really until he died. 
1961, recorded, get your kicks on Route 66. That's how you know it's Route. Get your kicks on Route 66. No, no. On Route 66. But he sang that. But, you know, it's weird. In 1961, when he recorded that, even by then, Route 66 and that song, it's more nostalgic. We're not getting our kicks on Route 66 anymore because they're creating these interstate highways that are straight shots from city to city. No more of this curvy stuff in little town through little town. In fact, Route 66 now is just a reminder of a simpler and slower time. And, and Isaiah here is talking not about Route 66. He's talking about a, a superhighway in the desert. He's talking about the Autobahn, like extreme speeds here. Every mountain be made low, every valley lifted up, all the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and everyone will see it. Isaiah says God is going to lead his people back to Jerusalem like a mighty shepherd and it's going to be swift and sure. No detours, no curves in the road, no stops at little towns here and there. We're going right back and guess what? That's exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened. In 539 B.C., the Persians overtook the Babylon, Babylonians. King Cyrus of Persia was now in charge. And he went to the exiles in Babylon. He said, you're free to go. You're free to go home. In fact, I'm going to give you money. So you can go back home and rebuild your city walls and your homes and your farms. And you can rebuild your temple. Go home. Go home. It was an Advent miracle. They had been waiting in this exiled space for about 60 years. It was a miracle. King Cyrus comes along and says, go on home. I was thinking about this metaphorical highway that Isaiah is talking about in the desert. This is not a literal highway. He's just trying to prove the point that this is not going to be like Egypt. This is not going to be 40 years in the wilderness. When it happens, it's going to happen swift and sure. And he says, and when the way is prepared, when the time is right, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all people shall see it. And I kept reading commentators on this text and most of them would say this highway, the way is being prepared so that the Lord can show up in Babylon and lead them home like some kind of God in a shiny Cadillac pulling up and opening the door and saying, hop in. And everybody goes, whoa, that's a cool Cadillac. God is in town. And it certainly could be read this way, right? But I had a little bit of a problem with that. Because I thought, well, wait a minute. Why would we not think that God is with them in Babylon? Why is the glory of God somewhere else while they're hanging out in Babylon, and when the way is prepared, then God shows up to deliver them home. That's not the God that I know. What if God was already in their midst? What if God was always there, and they just couldn't see the glory? That's been true for me, maybe for you too. Sometimes when we're in these waiting moments, especially dark waiting moments, we forget that God is with us, Emmanuel. And instead of focusing on the ways in which God has already cared for us in the past leading up to the present, we focus on the invisibility of God, the seeming absence of God. How many times have you said or you've heard people say, 
I don't feel God's presence anymore. Where is God? What has gone wrong? What do we need to do to get God to come back into this place? George Frederick Handel knew this feeling well. I don't know if you know his story. It's pretty fascinating. In his 20s, he was the highest paid composer in the world. His songs, his operas, his concerts that he would put on, they were sold out every time. People had to fight to get in to hear his music. But of course, as all performers and musicians, as he got older, younger, hipper composers started coming out. They were coming on the scene and writing new music, and, and George began to be seen as an outdated and irrelevant Musician, one reviewer said, his great days are over. His inspiration is exhausted. Eventually, George Frederick Handel went bankrupt. Couldn't even afford to live anymore. Barely scraping to get by. The stress caused him to fall ill, lost the use of some of his fingers. Now this man is a harpsichord and organ player. How are you supposed to compose and perform if you can't even use your hands? And he's thinking, where's God? Why don't I feel the glory days when God was present with me anymore? Where is God? What has gone wrong? And it was in this position, this dark moment that a friend of him has sent, sent him some scriptures. Sent him some scriptures that were particularly about Christ. And he said, look, George, I want you to compose some music. Don't change a lick. Just use the words from the Bible, these scriptures that I've picked out for you. But I want you to compose some music. And George takes the manuscripts and looks down. And the first line in the manuscript that he was handed was Isaiah 40. Comfort my people. Comfort, oh, my people, says your God. Handel was so moved by that text that he said he locked himself in his house and did not come out until one of the greatest musical works the world has ever seen was composed. Messiah. Messiah. God had never left Handel. He just couldn't see the glory that was with him the whole time because of the darkness that surrounded him. He just needed to hear a word from the Lord. He just needed to remember what God had done for him already. And this was like a springboard for him because from then on, he embraced his gifts, whether they were received or not, they were received, but he embraced his gifts even after he lost his eyesight, crippled hands and blind, he's still composing and performing songs of joy for the world to hear until the day he died. Wow. See, the glory of the Lord is around us all the time. If we have eyes to see and ears to hear, 
the superhighway that's being constructed in the wilderness of our hearts. It's not so that God can show up in some fancy Cadillac. It's so that when the time is right, we can be swiftly carried without delay to the future that God has set aside for us, whatever that is. Eventually, that means eternity. But in our lives now, Prepare a way for the Lord, not because he is coming, but because all of a sudden you will see the glory. And like a shepherd, he will pick you up and carry you home. If we want to glimpse that glory now, sometimes I think you just have to choose joy even when you don't feel it. And that spark of joy, perhaps the thing that can spark that joy is in remembering all the things that God has done for you leading up to this moment. Count your blessings, name them one by one. There's real wisdom in that. It can be in knowing, as Isaiah says, that yes, humans are flaky, humans are flighty, Yes, humans say one thing and then do another, but the word of the Lord stands forever. When God says it, it's as good as gold, and we can trust it. We can read the scriptures and know that God will do what he said he will do. And that even when we feel God is far away, the truth is he's closer than your very breath. That's the reality. So for the Israelites, it seemed like maybe their waiting period was over, right? They had been waiting in exile for God to come and rescue them. And in a miraculous turn of events, they were free. God had rescued them, restored them very much like he did all those years ago in Egypt. And they did return home, and they did rebuild their city, and they rebuilt their temple. But remember, Jeremiah said there's another piece to this. God is going to give you a new covenant in which the laws of God will be written on your hearts and you will know him intimately and be known by him intimately. And he will be God and you will be his people. And the second piece to that is that God's going to raise up a new king in the line of David and he will rule with justice and equity and he will bring peace and liberation to his people. And so the city is built now they're waiting on this new covenant and this new king. God's coming was now and not yet, already and still to come. Just like Jesus for us who has come and we are waiting for him to return. We call that a liminal space. They and we are in this place where something has happened but something is yet to happen. And the tension of both of those And so traditionally on the third Sunday of Advent, we light the pink candle and we pause for just a moment. Our self-assessment, this soul-searching that we do through Advent to make sure that we are ready for Christmas morning, we pause on this Sunday to celebrate with joy what God has already done, what God is doing now, and what we believe God will do in the future. We celebrate with joy, even if we don't have joy surrounding us in the moment because the reality is 
God is with us even now. And so may we behold his glory in our midst today as we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Let's pray. God, thank you for this reminder. I am so grateful for Isaiah, who had the foresight to write, Comfort my people. I'm so thankful for George Frederick Handel, who saw those words and composed Messiah, that we hear at Christmas time, and when the Hallelujah chorus comes, we stand up and we sing Hallelujah. May we have that joy today, Lord, no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what is going on. May we feel joy and choose joy today as we await the return of Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Band, I'm calling in audible. Hang out just a second, okay? I'm going to ask the Risco family to come up. Do you all have an extra mic I can borrow for a second? These are the Riscos. Come on up here. Thank you. Oh, wireless will do this. They are uh, coming from Athens First United Methodist Church and have expressed a desire to transfer their membership to us. And we are, that is a, there you go. This is a reason to, check, check, check. Is it on? Is that on? How about that? Thank you. Um, that's a reason to celebrate with joy today, right? So I'm just going to give you all the microphone. If you'll just introduce yourselves and just maybe tell us one interesting thing about you. <laughs> or whoever wants to talk. My name is Rob Risco, or short for Robert. Let's see, one interesting thing about me. Hobbies? Um, I have a secret passion for deviled eggs. Ooh, oh. deviled eggs are good. Yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the bin, and I don't know. I just love Christmas, and thank y'all for giving us a place to come and worship the last few weeks. And y'all uh, welcomed us with open arms, and we appreciate that. My name is John Risco. You don't want to say anything cool about you, John? Oh, okay. Um, so I'm Rachel, and I am a certified candidate in the ministry. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, I'm also I'm a college student, so I'm not here as often as they are. <laughs> so I'm from uh, Southwestern University. I'm a junior. So. Cool. And you're going to be yeah. going to seminary after you graduate? Is that yes? Correct? I'm a junior, so yeah. like after I graduate, okay, so, yeah. I plan awesome. to go to seminary. So, so we'll yeah, definitely be praying for you. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. Well, what I want to ask you all is: Will you uphold this congregation with your prayers, your presence, your witness, your service, and your what's the fifth one? Gifts. Gifts. Yes. 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 Thank you. You will say, we will. And will you support them and uphold them with your prayers and your love and affection? Will you welcome them if you will say, we will? We will. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Let's give them a round of applause. Good to have you all. So with that, will you stand? We're going to sing another song. If you guys want to go back to your seats, you can. And somebody, somebody take them out to lunch today. I think we call it welcome home. Welcome home. Yeah. Welcome home. Yeah, That's welcome right. Home. Today is a day of joy and celebration. Receive this blessing. May the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the presence of Christ be with you all.
may you know that you are perfectly loved, completely forgiven, and uniquely empowered. And now you're called to go out into the world and live as God's faithful children. As you do that, you're probably going to make some mistakes. We all make mistakes. God knows this. Thankfully, God's love for us is not dependent upon our performance. It's rooted in His amazing grace. And by grace, He looks at us and says, Beloved, I love you just as you are. And I love you too much to leave you there. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may the Lord change you to look more and more like Christ today as we head toward Christmas. Go in peace until we are gathered again. Amen.